Welcome to Adulting on the Spectrum. I'm Andrew, an autistic certified financial planner. I co-run Adulting on the Spectrum with Eileen Lamb. Hey, Eileen. Hey, Andrew. Hey, everyone. In this podcast, we want to highlight real voices of autistic adults, not just inspirational stories, but real people talking about their boring life. Basically, we want to give a voice to people like us. Today, our guest is Casey Housechild. Cassie Housechild. Okay, so the T is silent, just to confuse us. Uh, Casey sought her autism diagnosis after her son, Percy, got his diagnosis. She also has a daughter, Amelia, who is currently presenting as neurotypical. She acts as as an advocate for autistic individuals of all ages and provides mentoring services to parents whose children have received the diagnosis free of charge. She works for a company that sells resources to therapists, teachers, and caregivers of autistic children. I think you butchered her daughter's name, right? It's It's a French name, yeah. Yeah, It's Emily. Eileen would know. Oh, yeah. It's fine. She's going to get that her whole life. That's what she gets for having a francophone mom in America. There's a movie named after her. I should have got that right. Shit. No, you're good. Eileen's going to keep this in the podcast now, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Well, you know, I am not French, and I do like that movie, and my apologies. such a good movie. It is a great movie. Is she named after the movie? A little bit, kind of. Okay. Like, that was definitely one of the steering things. I definitely wanted a French name, and... Because that... of Eileen, obviously, right? Yeah, not because I'm a Francophone. I actually got my master's in musicology, and my area of expertise is romantic, romantic French music. So I ended up doing a lot of um, French translating, and I actually have a library membership to the uh, French library as well so okay very cool so speaking of language uh we like to ask all of our guests uh pronouns she her uh etc and identity question how you prefer to be identified uh she her for pronouns and for identity whatever comes natural i use all terms interchangeably very frequently my favorite answer when people say that just like who cares Anyway, uh, can you tell us, it's yours too? Yeah, not that my opinion matters as much, but yes, I I do agree (laughs) with you. Great. (laughs) So uh, we have a similar diagnosis story that our sons were both diagnosed before we were. And I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about what uh, made you seek an autism diagnosis and what the process was like. Yeah, so Percy got diagnosed when he was 20 months. we started the process at 18 months. It just takes a little bit of time. So I, I knew with him at four months um, and everyone thought I was just being paranoid and I proved everyone wrong and myself right, as I like to do. Um, but then I started doing research because that's one of my biggest things is I really am into researching things and getting as much information as I can. And so I started researching and made my husband research. And I was sitting on the couch one day um, and my mom lives with us. Uh, we take care of her. She lives with us. Not that she takes care of us, but it helps. And I said, you know, I think I'm autistic after reading all of these symptoms and just being like, oh, oh, oh. And the next day my husband came out and he said, do you know you have autism? And I'm like, you're really lucky I accepted this back yesterday or else I would probably be really offended by you just stating this. Um, Solely because I was dealing with a lot of mom guilt from Percy's autism diagnosis, which I'm sure you can relate to a little bit, Eileen. Um, So then I wasn't going to get a diagnosis at first, but getting more involved in the autism community, I found the voices were very interesting. Um, but I also learned a lot of, you know, things about cross diagnoses or, um, symptoms that happen in a lot of other things. And a lot of things that are prevalent in autism sometimes are prevalent in ADHD, which can be managed with medication. And if I can get medical help, I'm going to. 
So we decided the move for us would be to get a diagnosis so we can know exactly what's happening along with having that so I can get, um, you know, the accommodations at work and I can get accommodations elsewhere. And who knows where our country will be in 20 years, but if, or who knows where I'll be in 20 years. But if I need that help, I have the diagnosis to get it. Um, we're very big about medical and science and evidence in our home. So I went to Google and Googled adult autism diagnosis near me. Fortunately, live, I live in a very large metroplex. I live in Dallas, Fort Worth. So there were plenty of options. Um, and I found the one that I liked the most and did it all via telehealth, which was great because I hate being in the same room as other people. And it was a long process. My husband had to be in a lot of the interviews. My favorite memory was we did um, this one of the speaking interviews and <laughs> she booked three hours. And at the end, she's like, I still have more questions. So we need to book another one. And I'm like, so tell me I'm autistic without telling me I'm autistic because I took so long with the previous answers that we needed another meeting. So that was that was fun. So it took it was probably about two months and at least 10 hours of interview time and test taking and analysis and all that. So now what similarities do you see and some of them that you may have like saw before your diagnosis and some after, but, but what similarities do you see between Percy and yourself? And also what differences do you see? Well, I am one of the people you can't get to shut up and Percy's still nonverbal. So that's probably one of the biggest differences. Um, even as a child, I didn't, I never shut up. Um, I have very vivid memories of my uncle asking my mother if I ever shut up and I was like three. So that was fun. But um, we are both insane texture eaters. We are both very sensitive about what we eat and what we touch. Um, we also tend to have similar frequencies. So when we go to the store, if I hear a sound that's bothering me from like the freezers, Percy will start fussing and I'll say, Eric, do you hear that? I'll ask my husband, do you hear that? And he's like, I don't hear anything. I'm like, you don't hear that high pitched screen uh, squeal that is like banging into your ear, like an ear pick. And he's like, no. So Percy and I, and I'm, I'm very fortunate. I'm actually happy that I can hear that because even though it's bothersome to me, when Percy starts having a problem, I can pause and say, what's the sensory issue to myself here? What am I hearing or feeling or stop and see what may be bothering him? And I think it's a lot harder for my neurotypical husband to be that observant. I think that's really interesting because, you know, there's, you know, autism is such a spectrum, right? And although somebody who needs, you know, a lot more support, we may think doesn't have a lot, you know, in common, but, but there's still but you can notice that because you are, right? You know, even if the support needs are very different. Now you have a, another daughter who I believe is extremely neurotypical. And I'm gonna ask the same question. What similarities do you see and what differences? I, I often say that Amelie's the hard one. Um, <laughs> raising a child with autism is a huge struggle, but for me personally, raising a neurotypical child is very hard because they want a lot of things that I'm not comfortable naturally giving. She wants eye contact. She wants conversation. She wants interaction. And I'm like, Percy will sit next to me on the couch and we will not interact with each other and just be there. And I love it. But Amelie is very social and it's a little hard for me at times. She will actually wear me out um, socially, but she has a great sense of humor. She will eat everything in sight, um, which I kind of relate to now, as long as it doesn't have a bad texture. <laughs> and um, she's very caring. She's a very, I'm, I'm very empathetic. Like I like to take care of people. That's very much my thing is if someone's in trouble, I want to take care of them. Even if it's a stranger on the street, I want to take care of them. Um, Amelie, if her brother is crying and having a meltdown, she will start having a meltdown. So if we're doing anything that Percy won't like, cutting nails, cutting hair, brushing teeth some nights, we have to remove her from the room because she will actually go into distress. And it's far harder to deal with two kids who are having meltdowns than one. Yeah. You say you like caring about, about people and 
you also mentioned in your bio that you provide free uh, mentoring uh, to families who just received a diagnosis. And I, I didn't know that about you because we, we know each other. And uh, you also have a job in the autism community. Can you tell us ab about your two, you know, what you do for free and your yeah. job? What I do for free is really, it's not something like I, I don't advertise it, except I do like, I'm in a lot of the parent group. And a lot of parents will come and they'll say, I'm, I, my kid just got a diagnosis and I don't know what I'm doing. I want to find an ABA. I also um, admin a Facebook group with a lot of parents. And, you know, the one thing I always say is my Facebook messages are always open. If anyone messages me for any reason about needing help with an autism, autistic child, I answer it every time. But especially for locals, um, if they want help talking through ABA centers, talking through school districts, just talking to someone, I give them my phone number. I say, don't call till eight o'clock at night because that's when Percy goes to bed. And I will spend two to three hours on the phone with complete strangers, just talking them through what they're going through and what path may be best for their family. Um, I'm not an expert and I always say that I'm just a person who did the research because that's what I enjoy doing. Um, and that's what I, that's what I can offer people. I can't offer, you know, an expert thing. I can offer them at least a listening ear and a different side of logic than maybe is going on in their head. Um, for my work job, I am the social media and communications associate for a company um, called Different Roads to Learning. We provide a lot of supports um, in terms of textbooks. We sell um, assessment kits. And so like the VB map enables, we sell that, but also we sell kits that include all of the products you need to do those assessments. They require a lot of products. So what we wanna do is we wanna make the ABA therapist's lives and the special educators lives easier. Um, we wanna give them the tools they need. So what we do is we vet the products. We don't give anything that we don't believe is a quality product. And we, make it easier from them. We do have things for parents and a lot of parents, I like, I buy a lot of stuff from them. We just released a new book actually called Responsible and Responsive Parenting and Autism Between Now and Dreams. It is an amazing text. Um, that is, I will recommend finally to anyone who says, I just got a diagnosis and I need help. And it really just walks through the, you know, when you're parenting a kid with autism, here's the steps. And they use real stories. It's written by a BCBA and a parent of an autistic child. So they kind of work together to provide real life stories that gives you an excellent air of hope while also giving you some amazing advice. What's the name of that book again? Responsible and Responsive Parenting Between Now and Dreams. Interesting. So this is a loaded question. I can tell Eileen wrote this one. No, actually, no, sometimes this could go either way. Uh, how do you feel about the neurodiversity movement? I think neurodiversity is a very broad well, what, what um, is your, I mean, speaking of which, I mean, what, what does it even mean? The, the, the word seems to be changing every week. So I'm, also I'm still trying to figure that out sure. myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not sure so. most days. Um, for me personally, I don't get involved with neurodiversity for multiple reasons. Most of all, I don't totally understand what it is. I understand dyslexia is under the neurodiverse umbrella. I know ADHD is there and I know autism's in it. Um, but it's one of those things, like a lot of things are neurodiverse, but not everything that's neurodiverse is the same as everything else. Um, so the thing that I can focus on really is autism. That's the thing I understand. So wait, so wait, you tell me you only argue with strangers on the internet and people about things that you understand and you're well-researched about. I try to, because if I don't have the ability to give an argument, it doesn't seem like I'm- That gonna... doesn't seem to stop a lot of people on the internet. So congratulations. It, it doesn't, you. but I like to be confident <laughs> in my arguments. Yes. So, sorry, uh, you, you can continue. Yeah, no, you're fine. Um, and that's the, that's the biggest thing for me is, I don't, I don't know what all it entails. And I feel like what it entails changes every day. Um, like when I learned that dyslexia was part of the neurodiverse umbrella, that was really shocking to me. And admittedly, I don't understand dyslexia and I don't have it. Um, but that to me, as the daughter of someone who worked in special education for 20 years was more of a learning disability than a neurological thing, which I understand. It, I mean, I'm being, I'm learning, I'm open, but 
Yeah, I mean, just as somebody who does a lot under the neurodiversity and being a little skeptical of it too, you know, I like to say it's again, people who think differently for the most part need accommodations more than treatment. You know, there's no medication for autism or dyslexia or, and again, even autism, even ADHD, right? Again, there's some of the stimulants. um, And I can tell you, you know, unequivocally, I have a dyslexic employee, right? And I can tell you, um, we think way more alike than a, you know, neurotypical, right? So it was kind of interesting uh, because I was a little like, wait, is, is neurodiversity autism? But I think, you know, and it covers like, uh, you know, Tourette's and dyspraxia seem to be like the five like common ones, although it's evolving. And, you know, the, the more I'm working full time with, and, um, and Eileen knows that person as well, and his favorite, you know, special interest, just in the way he thinks differently. So, but um, I, I just want to share that with you. I, I found it kind of interesting too. And I came from the same place of skeptic, skepticism, really dyslexia lately. And then working and with someone, it's like, no, okay, <laughs> I get it. There's some, you know, there's something there. So absolutely. And like, for me, even like, I might have ADHD, but we can't work on that to see if I have it until my anxiety is under control. Cause I also have anxiety, depression. So it's one of those things. It's like, Maybe, I don't know, but we can't figure this out until this is taken care of. So I know that, I think that might be a very common issue with people in the neurodiverse umbrella. Yeah, and, um, and nobody's, you know, it, yeah, and it's all, again, people who think differently. It's kind of like the way I like to describe it, right? And, and born thinking differently, right? Um, again, that's my personal interpretation, so. So, you know, I, I found out Charlie, uh, I had autism when I was pregnant with Jude and uh, I, I remember asking all the, the doctors uh, about the odds of the baby Jude uh, being autistic too. Um, it was all very new at the time. That was uh, seven years ago. Um, and I remember the first two years being like so nerve-wracking, uh, watching his development, you know, is he going to talk? You know, at the time it was really like, that was my my worry. I just... I, I didn't want a child who had severe autism again. I know it sounds horrible and I'm going to leave it in, but, you know, I knew I, I could do well with a, a child who has autism like me because I understand it. But Charlie, it's just like so heartbreaking, all the, you know, communication issues, the fact that he's nonverbal and the intellectual disability and all of that. Um, but anyway, with Jude, the first two years, I remember like that anxiety of not knowing if he was, you know, going to be uh, autistic and if it was going to be severe like Charlie. Did you have these feelings too, or anything similar, or not? So um, I actually didn't get pregnant with Amelie until after Percy's diagnosis. Um, we knew we wanted another child, um, but at the time um, when Percy was diagnosed, he was in a pretty bad state. He was, uh, he is a headbanger as one of his, uh, stems. He's a self-arm headbanger and he only does it on hard surfaces such as hardwood floors. Percy had a permanent bruise on his forehead from six months on. Um, I had never seen him without a bruise on his forehead. I had a doctor say once he hits his head hard enough, he'll stop doing it. And unless hard enough was enough to make him pass out, it was not hard enough and he never stopped. Um, after his diagnosis, we started him in ABA, and about a month or two after he had, he'd been in ABA, the improvement was so significant that I finally felt comfortable having another child. Um, because I was like, I can deal with this kid now. Like I can, I, we're making progress. 
whatever comes with the next one, that's fine. Like I can deal with it because at least I have answers. At least I know what to look for and I know how to find ABA and all of that stuff. Um, and, and that ABA works for at least Percy, works for our family. That's what mattered to me. Um, and of course, I mean, like, it's always, it's always a scary thing, but we made it this far with one of them and he's still alive. So I think we feel like we're kind of succeeding. No, that's, that's great. Um, he's alive. But, yeah, exactly. Right. Or no, just, I mean, just like the optimism of like, you know, it, you know, it sounds like that, you know, there, there was like a lot of, like a lot of, you know, not as much hope, like a lot of struggling and a lot of just, you know, wanting your son to not hurt himself. Right. So, I mean, obviously not hurt himself. Uh, you decided to put him in torture therapy, AKA yes. ABA. Um, that was sarcasm. Uh, by the way. Um, but so as an autistic person, you, you, I mean, you clearly said that he was hurting himself and ABA helped him stop. Right. Now, mm -hmm. the other thing that also really interested me is in the beginning, you spoke about how you do a ton of research, how you're not an expert, but you will research a ton. And, you know, what, when you were doing your research, what did you find that made you okay with ABA, right? Because a lot of people will start doing research and they'll say they find lots of things that, you know, ABA is, is not good. Where, where did you do your research that, that they didn't? So what, the first thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. The first thing with ABA is his PD, the developmental pediatrician recommended it. I okay. went to this person for a diagnosis because I trusted his expertise. So I'm going to put a lot of faith in what he says. Sure. Um, the next person I contacted was my very dear friend who got her, her bachelor's degree in early childhood education. I didn't know it at the time. I thought she was working at a Montessori preschool. So I messaged her and I said, hey, can you tell me about ABA? Do you know of any centers in the area? Um, about two weeks prior, she had started at a center that was down the street from my house. And she said, not only do I know about ABA, but I can tell you a center. I work there. Let me tell you all about it. Now, this is someone who I trusted very much. She has been a part of Percy's life since before he was born because she was my boss when I was pregnant with him. Um, I knew who she was as a person and I knew who she was intellectually and I trusted her advice. Um, so then we toured that facility and they showed us everything and they explained things. And then I started digging a little deeper and I did see some of the stories from autistic people. Um, the number one thing for me is I don't count a blog as a reliable source 95% of the time. And that's where you're going to see a lot of the worst information is on a blog. Um, then I read through the refutes. They go 40 hours a week. Yeah, well, most kids in daycares are there 40 hours a week. Um, I knew it was play-based. I knew that he wouldn't even know he was at, day, at daycare, at ABA. And most importantly, I knew he was going to get a two-hour nap and they were going to help us with potty training. So I always, I, I always jokingly say that I cheat. When people are like, how do you potty train your child with their neurotypical kids? I'm like, I cheat. My son's autistic. I just send him to ABA. <laughs> yeah, they helped us too. It's, you know, but a lot of autistic adults uh, see it as a, uh... Um, no, torture, abuse, because, um, you know, if a child doesn't want to potty train, 
why are you forcing them to be normal? I don't think that's normal. I think it's hygienic. And I think that's the biggest thing is that there's a big difference between normal and hygiene. For example, cutting nails. Percy likes to scratch when he's angry sometimes. So we have to keep his nails shorter than perhaps he would like. But also toenails getting groaned if, if, and grown if, if you don't cut them. I can cut his fingernails, no problem. He hates the toenails. But I'm not going to put him in surgery for an ingrown toenail, which my brother had. My brother had an ingrown toenail at 22, had to get surgery for it as a neurotypical oh. adult oh so i okay so we're gonna gross everyone out here okay fantastic so i ready. had an ingrown so okay i had an ingrown toenail at like 19 right and i they kept i kept going they kept cutting it out and then it would get infected and it would grow back so i go back to the doctor they give me antibiotics then i go back they cut it out so apparently what they do is then they cut it down even deeper and they pour acid in it. I was 19. I'm like, oh, acid, cool. I've never tried that before. And they're like, no, 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 no. Not that acid. Pour, no, no, no. We're just burning the roots of the toenails. So I, I don't know why I felt the need to interject with that story, but you know, here we are. And um, yeah, part of the side, yeah, my no, toenails won't grow back. I was so. very, I was a lot younger. I think my brother and I have an 11 year age gap. So I was much younger than him when it happened to him. And he gave us detailed information. And that's one of the reasons I go through with per cutting Percy's toenails. Cause I was so disgusted. I have vivid memories of the words he said to us. So I'm like, yeah. nope, we're not I letting that happen to my three-year-old. Crocs. I will never wear Crocs again. Is your Crocs still a thing or do they go away? They're still a thing. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I stay away from them because of this, by the way. So, you know, that's what I was But saying. yeah, that's that's the biggest thing to me is there's there's one thing with normal. Like eye contact, you're doing that for the other person 95% of the time. Um, I, a lot of, I pay better attention if I'm staring at a wall than staring at a person because then I start noticing it's a weak things about them. But as an adult, I choose to sometimes look people in the eye. Um, Stimming. My purse, Percy does a lot of non-harmful stimming as well. He's a hand flapper and he's a, he's a verbal stimmer. And we love that because that's how he shows joy. So I went in and I said, I love when Percy shows joy via his stimming. I don't want to call that. And they said, as long as it's not disruptive to the class, like if he's in an if he's in a kindergarten classroom, he can't, he can't be taken away from the education of another child. That's not okay. But as long as it's not hurting someone's education or hurting himself or hurting someone else totally fine is there anything about aba you don't like yeah um he likes his teachers more than me sometimes <laughs> that's a good thing now but also too so i mean with any therapy with any treatment there's good doctors there's bad doctors there's good therapists there's bad therapists and I think you got very fortunate and lucky that there was somebody who you knew and who you trusted who worked at a place that was good. Yes. How, so, but that's not going to be everyone, everyone else's experience. There are going to be places that are just, you know, in it for the money where people don't have the best experiences. And, you know, what advice can you give to people who, want to help their son from her or son or daughter from hurting themselves, but they're afraid of, you know, um, you know, fi finding the right place. What, what advice can you give? Sure. So, um, it's a short series I'm working on, on my TikTok right now, but I also actually wrote a blog about this for the company I, did not I work know for. That. I did not purposely set you up for that. So that <laughs> no, that's fine. even better. So continue. 
Yeah. So I'm working on it as a series of my blog, but also before I got employed by the company I'm currently working for, I wrote a blog for them about this called 10 questions every parent should ask in an ABA facility. Um, and it goes over like, are you going to force high contact or stop non-harmful stimming? Are you going to withhold food? We all know that autistic kids do not eat a lot or they have very limited diets. If you're going to be withholding food, that can be really dangerous for some kids not getting enough nutrients. I'm not saying don't withhold a candy bar or an M&M, but don't withhold the one food that they're going to eat. Eileen, did you see that I gave my daughter um, a breakfast cake? every day three days in a row this weekend breakfast cake is cinnamon rolls by the way I didn't know how else to I did describe see to that. a four-year-old like what it is yeah uh, cinnamon rolls or breakfast cake yeah. yeah sorry I don't withhold that's not good either by the way right spoil the crap out of her okay what <laughs> your daughter is not even autistic no 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 she's not you sure so, pray yeah we're we're sure we're pretty so sure. yeah we're, we're sure um but even things like how are you going to handle naps what are you going to do to prevent meltdowns I think that's the most important thing I've learned at this facility is what do you do to prevent meltdowns and what do you do after Mm. they happen um because I have heard horror stories of them pushing kids into meltdowns where with Percy's ABA they ask him to say it verbally can you say ball you want the ball can you say ball okay he doesn't want to say it can you man for it with your AAC if you don't want to do that, and they lower the ask each time. They always start with the highest ask, but then they say, can you point to it? Can you touch it? Can you lead me to it? But in some way, you do have to communicate that you want it. You can't just expect us to read your mind. Yeah. So what's a, what's your TikTok? Do you want to tell people where they can find yeah. you on social media? And your sure. Um, my TikTok is another autism mom because I love people calling me an awful person for thinking I was autism mom. Um, and then you can also join my Facebook Facebook group, Dino and Nuggets Corner. Yeah, I mean it's it's good. I like that it's not um, not judgmental because a lot of Facebook groups are. We will judge you if you try to abuse your child. With ABA? No, with like actual abuse. Like if you <laughs> if you try to force things into your child's mouth that they don't want as a punishment, we will judge you. I haven't seen it, but I guess um, I can get behind this. All right, I'm going to ask you the quick fire questions. Uh, everyone listening to us, this is actually the second time we're recording this because uh, I lost Casey's episode and she was very nice about it and uh, came again. But uh, so she knows quick fire questions. I've probably already <laughs> forgotten them though. So let's do this. <laughs> what is your favorite food or drink? Oh, goodness. Um, Italian pizza, but it has to be like the good Italian pizza from Italy. Okay. Not pizza. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The best pizza (laughs) is from New Haven, Connecticut. I just want to say this as a resident of Connecticut. It's the only thing we have going for us in this entire state. Don't take it away from us. Okay. What's the name of the place? Well, Pepe's. Pepe's? Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, that's up for debate. There's a few in the New Haven area. Like, I like Zafardi's is good too. Okay, but anyway. If you could be any animal, fictional or real, what would you choose and why? I would absolutely be a cat, mostly because I'm 50% already there. But also, I feel like they are some of the most spoiled animals there are. It's probably true. What's your special interest? Or one that comes to mind? 
Um, I always say that when my son got autism, autism became my special interest, but a lot of people don't know that um, I have a master's degree in musicology and spent hours researching French music of the 1800s. Favorite artistic representation in the, in the media, fictional or not? Oh, Temple Graydon, um, which solely because I've recently learned about her work with cattle and how she like sits in the cattle uh, pathways and stuff to get to be on the mindset of a cattle. And I think that's amazing. Like, I love the idea of trying to become a cow mentally. Yeah, we did yeah, you listen I, I, for I a reason? Like feeling like one physically lately, but you know, <laughs> not yet, <laughs> no. But yeah, thanks, Andrew. For everyone who uh, doesn't know, Eileen is currently pregnant, so she'll probably want to murder me for that comment later. Yeah, in, not the first one that you've probably yeah. hit her with. So yeah, no, no, probably not even the worst today. No, that was too easy. Uh, do you have a favorite quote or saying? And if so, what is it? And who said it? This is actually my own saying, so I hope this isn't too like cocky. But the one thing I've always told my son, and I feel I have to tell autistic adults a lot, is autism can be the reason for your behavior, but it can never be the excuse. This may be the reason you're biting me, but it does not excuse your biting. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for coming again yes we won't lose this episode right Andrew? <laughs> she's gonna like triple save it <laughs> I, I i mean i am going to save it so we we definitely wa- will not lose it it was good no this was a good one right yeah i mean not that there are any bad ones right of course they're all everyone is better than the next right so, that's what happens with learning yes so thank you so much for coming on we super appreciate it And um, yeah, 